Hello, this is Paul Wheeler. Welcome to a Brit Talks Hockey. This is Puck and Cover. Yup, hello everybody and welcome to the first edition of a brand new iTalkie podcast. This is Puck and Cover. I'm Paul Wheeler and if you ever wanted to hear hockey discussed by a sarcastic British person, you're in the right place. This is a podcast dedicated to the idea of discussing all aspects of the greatest sport in the world, the one we all love. Every edition we'll be discussing the biggest news in the hockey universe, looking at the big issues in the game both in Europe and North America. I'll be sharing stories of my experience being a hockey fan in one of the game's backwaters from my 20 years and counting of watching and playing the game. And generally, we're creating a place where no matter what your involvement in the game is or your fan background, you can come here and hear something that might interest you. So what have we got coming up in the first ever edition of Puck and Cover then? Well, first of all, we'll be talking World Juniors with a preview of every team involved. Everything you need to know about all of the World Juniors rosters. We'll also be talking about the return to play of the NHL, giving you a lowdown of what's happening there. We'll be talking about the NWHL's amazing announcement that it's going to play in Lake Placid. We'll be looking a bit about hockey in Britain as well. And we'll be meeting two friends of mine as I start them off on a very special journey from hockey virgins to hockey fandom. That's all coming up later on, so let's drop the puck, shall we? So yes, hello, welcome to Puck and Cover with me, Paul Wheeler. And of course, the big thing on the hockey agenda at the moment is the World Junior Championships. They start in just a few days in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, after a run-up which was plagued with issues. Sweden losing players due to coronavirus, issues with travel, and also several teams, notably Canada and the USA, losing top players because they are preparing for NHL training camp. Players like Alexis Lavenier for Canada and Nick Robertson for the United States. But enough of who's not there, let's look at who is. Here is Puck and Cover's guide to all 10 World Junior Championships rosters, starting with Group A. The first team in Pool A are defending champions Team Canada. And let's get the obvious out of the way first, folks. Team Canada are stacked. With 20 of the 25 players on the roster being NHL first-round draftees, returning stars like Chicago's Kirby Dak, LA's Quinton Byfield, and difference makers like the current junior scoring leader Jack Quinn among the forwards, and talent on the blue line like Bowen Byram and Jamie Drysdale, this is a team that's almost unfairly good. In goal, there is a minor controversy for Team Canada, though. Kamloops Blazers' Delan Garand has the largest body of work to assess, and he's likely competing with the NCAA's Northeastern University's starter Devon Levi for the job, with Taylor Gauthier, who is eligible for the 2021 NHL draft, likely the third goalie. Defensively, Byram and Drysdale are likely to be the top pair, but a player to watch is Dallas pick Thomas Harley, currently with the OHL's Mississauga Steelheads, who could be set for a breakout onto the world stage. Up front, the Canadians look frightening, with four lines all capable of being most of the country's top lines. The top trio is likely to be Connor McMichael, Dak and Dylan Cousins as a perfect balance of speed, skill and power. But honestly, coach Andre Tomini has an embarrassment of riches at his disposal, and this team are going to be expected to bring home gold. 
The only question is how they handle the hometown pressure. The next team in Group A and Canada's main rivals are Team Finland, who are something of a dark horse in this tournament because on paper they have few standout offensive players to light up the scoreboard. And in the Finnish tradition of Sisu, they're built more on quiet strength and a strong work ethic than individual brilliance this year. In net, Joel Blomqvist is likely the clear starter of the three, as the second goal he picked in the 2020 draft and with a 91.4% save percentage in Finland's top league this season. He is a dark horse candidate for goalie of the tournament, along with Spencer Wolf and Yaroslav Yaskarov of Russia. Defensively too, the Finns are full of quiet workmanlike and fussy players who are more about keeping the puck out of their own net than going forward. Topi Niemela and Vili Hainola will provide the offensive drive, but a name under the radar I suggest you watch is Ruben Rafkin, who loves to hit forwards in stride with long breakout passes and has legal experience this season with TPS as well. Forward-wise, the Finns are built to grind teams down and defend. Last year, they allowed only eight goals in the group stage. Trouble is, they only scored six, and they lack the explosive offence of previous teams provided by players like Jesse Pugliarvi and Carpo Kako. One returnee from that squad, Anton Lundell, is very much their X-factor up front, though. He was in the running with Alexis Lafreniere for top pick overall in the 2020 draft, and if the Finns can find supporting scoring for him, possibly through relatively unheralded players like Boston draft pick Matthias Mantikivi, they could surprise the offensive juggernauts. Two years removed from being champions, the Finns will first rely on their defence to make the knockout stages from the weaker group, and then, as we know, anything can happen. After Canada and Finland, the next team we consider is Slovakia. They narrowly avoided playing in the relegation last year, and this year are a team full of 2021 draft prospects looking to make an impact. One of their few returning players is starting goalie Samuel Lavaj, who plays with the Sherbrooke Phoenix in the Quebec Major Junior League and had a torrid time last year with an average of over five goals against. Behind him, three goalies are fighting for two spots as the team will use exhibition games to decide which one to cut last. In defence, Samuel Klausko is the biggest name, picked in the 2020 draft, along with 6'5 Oliver Turan and two players who've been getting solid minutes in the Slovak Extra League this season in Marco Stascher and David Mudrak. The most exciting name, though, is 16-year-old Simon Nemec. If he makes the final roster, he's probably the most offensively skilled blue liner on the team and has a chance to become a young star and make NHL teams already take notice. He's already a mainstay for the Extraligas HK Nitra and a truly exciting talent. Up front, the two biggest names are Maxim Kajkovic and Martin Kromiak, both NHL draft picks playing in North American juniors, and they are the experienced players the Slovaks will lean on for offense, with the rest of the team being 2021 draft eligible. Names to focus on here are Alexei Mikluka and the monster 6'6", 220-pound center Dominic Sojka, both unheralded but potentially important players to complement Kajkovic and Kromiak. The Slovaks will need to turn up every night if they want to make the elimination stages, particularly in a very tough group. However, if they can steal a win against Switzerland, that could be vital in what is likely a development year for this Slovak roster. Now for the team who've arguably had the trickiest road to the tournament, Germany, who've been absolutely decimated by COVID-19, with eight players testing positive, including likely starting goalie Tobias Anchika, meaning they're coming into the tournament most definitely on the back foot. As a squad where the vast majority of players play domestically, they'd perhaps have considered themselves dark horses for a medal when the squad was announced on December the 5th, but now it's anybody's guess what they'll do. 
If Tobias and Chica can't play in net, Florian Bugel is likely the next in line with Arno Tiefense behind him. Bugel has been stellar in Austria this season, but the World Juniors is another step up for him, and it remains to be seen how he'll handle offence like, say, Team Canada's. Defensively, the Germans were already without top prospect Moritz Seider, who has elected to stay in North America to prepare for the Red Wings NHL season. Maximilian Glötzel and Tommy Passanen are the two standout names remaining on defence. Passanen is huge at 6'4 and 200 pounds, and Glötzel will be leaned upon to provide the offence missing from Seider's absence. Up front, Lukas Reichel is one of the three members of Germany's big line, and him testing positive for COVID-19 could rob them of one of their most dynamic forwards. They do, however, still have third overall pick Tim Stutzel and John Jason Paterka to carry the offensive load. Below this, they're a team of youngsters, with Florian Eliash standing out as a player who led his league in goals last year with 26 in the German third tier, despite being one of the youngest players in the league. The Germans are a team who will rely on chemistry and work ethic to surprise teams and hope to steal a win or two early in the tournament as other, more heralded teams figure out their lines. But facing teams like Canada and Finland will be a huge test for a squad missing most of their biggest Let's deal with the underdogs in both groups one after the other to make a seamless transition, starting with Team Switzerland in Group A, quietly improving every year. They haven't faced relegation since 2016 and won't this year, which is a relief for them because this is probably the weakest Swiss team in several years. They don't really have any star names, but let's pick out some players to watch. In net, Noah Patinode is highly motivated at a 2021 draft prospect, currently playing with the St. John Sea Dogs in the QMJHL and he'll be fighting tooth and nail for the starting job. While in front of him in defence, Noah Meyer is getting some major draft as a player smart and mobile on the blue line, which he'll need to be against the calibre of the Swiss opponents. Up front, Lorenzo Canonico is probably the standout forward, a skilled, elusive centre who's currently scoring at a point-per-game pace in the under-20 leagues in Europe while awaiting the resumption of the QMJHL. He's a standout on a roster full of players who are a. younger than most and b. relatively unknown outside Switzerland. With the exception of Austria, the Swiss are a team who will probably benefit most from there being no relegation round this year, and this is very much a building year for them, but they'll still be fighting for a quarter-final spot in their group and are truly going into this tournament with nothing to lose. Moving on to Group B now, starting with the main underdogs. Team Austria, meanwhile, are the team who were promoted from Division 1 last year, and this year they'd be a sure candidate for relegation if it weren't temporarily abolished. The main interest for people watching Team Austria will be ninth overall pick in 2020, Marco Rossi up front, although his offensive talents could be wasted on a team around him that would probably struggle in the division below this year, never mind the elite one. A name to watch aside from Rossi is 17-year-old Senna Peters, who is the best candidate to finish the feeds Rossi disses out. It seems harsh to call Team Austria cannon fodder, but they will be going into this tournament with the lowest possible expectations. If the Austrians manage to win a game at this tournament, that will be likely considered a huge success as they build for next year. Next up, let's discuss the Czech Republic, a team who haven't won a medal at the World Juniors since 2005 when they won bronze, and this year are one of the youngest teams in the tournament, with most players eligible for the 2021 and even 2022 draft, hoping to raise their stock significantly. 
Among those players is prospective starting netminder Nick Malik, although he'll have a battle with Mercurial Red Wings 2020 draft pick Jan Bednar for that role. Both can steal games on their best days. Defensively for the Czechs, the standout name to watch is another 2021 draft-eligible player, Stanislav Svozil, named Czech Extra League Rookie of the Year last season, although there's also the skilled Simon Kubicek and David Juricek on a very young blue line group to keep an eye on. Among the forwards, the experience is a bit more apparent. The names to watch here are Canadians 2020 draft pick Jan Maisak, who is rumoured to be a steal after being taken 48th overall by Montreal last year, and Yaramir Pitlick, whose rights are held by the New Jersey Devils. The Czechs are our mercurial team who can score goals in the best traditions of their forebears, but whether they have the sheer quality required at this level to challenge the big boys is another matter. They'll still not be being taken lightly, but it will take their stars getting on a hot streak or some truly historic breakout performances to see them on the medal table come early January. Time to consider the Russian bear now, and they're a young team desperate to do well after some poor showings by the country's own high hockey standards recently at the World Juniors. They're a team building from the back this year with a clear star in net and some very exciting forwards too. Let's start with the name dominating all talk of the team this year, the goalie Yaroslav Askarov. Picked 11th overall in the 2020 draft, this fella is the best goalie to come out of Russia in years. He's let in less than one goal a game in seven Continental Hockey League games this season, and he has a 96% save percentage. These are numbers almost unheard of for a young goalie in one of the best leagues in the world. Behind him are Arta Aktyamov and Zevalov Skotnikov, but something will have to go very wrong indeed, or very right, in fact, in the early group games, for them to see any time at the tournament. Defensively, Russia are an inexperienced group, but the standout player is six foot four commentator's nightmare, Shakir Mukhamadullin, who will be the linchpin and expected to contribute in every way. He's an all-round defenseman who is very good at both ends of the ice, which led to him being picked early in the 2020 draft. Up front, the player to watch might be Rodion Amirov, who has been exciting Toronto fans with his excellent play in the KHL this season after being drafted 15th overall. Igor Shinnikov is an exciting talent who could be set for a breakout tournament, and Igor Afanasev too has a chance to make himself a name on the world stage. Make no mistake, this is a team that scores for fun and has elite goaltending. So if Askarov holds up his end of the bargain in net, any defensive issues they may have through inexperience will be more than covered. They'll definitely be an enjoyable team to watch and Team Russia will likely be there or thereabouts when the medals are handed out. Now moving on to Team Sweden. No team has won more games at the World Junior Championships than Sweden in the group stage. They're currently on an incredible 51 games unbeaten run. 51 consecutive group stage games. But despite that, they've only managed to win one single gold medal during that span back in 2012. This year's team has seen the head coach and four of their top players have to stay home due to COVID-19 and they find themselves in a very puff pool B where they'll be competing with the Americans but despite that they could have a big say in the destination of the medals. In net there's no clear starter although Hugo Elnefeld is slightly ahead of his younger teammates Kelly Klang and Jesper Wallstedt. Although Elnefeld is the starter, Wallstedt is the player to watch because he's the top rated goalie for the 2021 NHL draft, has already played in the Swedish Elite League at 18 and looks to be the heir apparent to Henrik Lundqvist for Sweden in net. He'll be waiting to step in at the slightest slip from Elnefeld. Klang too is a very good third option. Defensively, the Swedes are led by Edmonton's Philip Broberg and Arizona's Victor Soderstrom in a very offensively strong group the Swedes will use as their building block. Soderstrom scored six points in seven games from the blue line in 2020 and he'll be counted upon to feed the Terra Twins up front. 
Who are the Terra Twins, you might ask? They're Alex Holtz and Lucas Raymond, two skilled wingers who will form the nucleus of the Swedes' attack and both have the potential to lead the team and indeed the tournament in goals. However, there is a serious gap at centre between them. Arvid Kosmo and Theodore Niederbach are the most likely candidates to fill this gap after both putting up impressive numbers in the Swedish under-20 leagues this season. Behind them, Zion Nybeck and 2021 draft-eligible Oscar Olesson are names to watch up front, while the 6'7 giant Elmer Soderstrom will be tasked with providing muscle and defensive solidity on the lower lines. Sweden have arguably the best goalie duo in the tournament, but it has been a challenging preparation for them and it remains to be seen how they'll be affected by not having their head coach behind the bench and with the players missing if they have enough depth to get past a truly stacked team like the US, Canada or indeed deadly rivals Finland as they chase for a medal. We started off this preview with Team Canada and Group A and we're going to finish it with their great rivals and possible biggest threats for the gold, Team USA in Group B. Canada's great rivals from south of the border have suffered similar COVID-19 struggles in their preparation to their Canadian rivals, losing five players due to positive tests, including their stars Johnny Beecher and Thomas Bordelow. Even without them though, they built a roster to challenge for gold. The 2001 birth year in the US national team development programme has been considered the best of its kind and with the prospective top forward line for the USA of Montreal prospect Cole Caulfield alongside Anaheim's Trevor Zegras at centre who got nine assists in the last tournament and the OHL's top goalscorer for the past three years Arthur Kaliev on the other wing this team has the potential to give opposition defences nightmares. Keep an eye out for the unheralded Brendan Britton as well in amongst the USA stars. He had seven points in eight games for Michigan this year in the NCAA before leaving for the World Junior Tournament. Defensively, the US only have one returning blue liner in Cam York, with he and 2020 draftee and first defenseman taken Jake Sanderson likely the top pair. Perhaps the USA's real strength is in net though, with Spencer Wolf touted by some as the best goalie in the tournament. He'll need to be on form, particularly if the USA are to beat the Canadians, but his presence is an X-factor that could prove crucial for the Americans' chances. There you are. That's all 10 teams introduced to you. That is the Puck and Cover World Juniors preview over and done with. The action starts on Christmas Day with a three-game slate. Switzerland and Slovakia get us started at midday. Canadian time, followed by Germany versus Finland, and in the evening, the United States are in action in an old rivalry against Russia. Next, we'll be talking about the NHL's return to play and also a fantastic bit of news for women's hockey here on Puck and Cover. If you were listening carefully to that World Juniors preview, you'd have noticed that some big names, including Alexis Lafreniere for Canada and Moritz Seider from Germany, to name just two, were conspicuous by their absence. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be in the spotlight of their own over the next few weeks because they'll likely be attending their first NHL training camps. Yes, folks, after all the speculation the past few weeks, the NHL has confirmed that we have a season. It's planned to start on January the 13th and contain a 56-game regular season, which will be played in just 116 days with the regular season finishing on May the 8th. There are no pre-season games to warm up or for teams to find their feet, so the games will mean something right off the bat. Of course, with the season moving around, so have some other key dates. The trade deadline is April the 12th. The Stanley Cup will be awarded in mid-July, followed immediately by the Seattle expansion draft, the NHL draft and free agency all starting before the beginning of August. To say this season will be crowded 
is an understatement. Adding another wrinkle to the mix is a division realignment to minimise travel risks, with the divisions realigning to East, Central, West and most strikingly an all-Canadian division. All regular season matches are being played within their divisions, so expect to see a lot of the battles of Alberta, Ontario and California to name but three great rivalries, while we'll also be deprived temporarily of some of the NHL's greatest rivalry games, like, say, Montreal versus Boston or Detroit versus Colorado. The top four teams in each division will make the playoffs, and then they'll play divisional semi-finals, equivalent to the Stanley Cup final quarters, and conference finals, which are equivalent to the Stanley Cup final semis, before a normal East versus West Stanley Cup final. This, of course, means a Canadian team is guaranteed to be in the conference finals for the first time since Winnipeg made it in 2018. But there'll be no such thing as Canada's team in the playoffs, with at least four of them fighting to be guaranteed a chance of coming within one series of a cup final. While we mentioned earlier that some rivalries will not be seen in the regular season, we could see playoff matchups of some of the greatest rivalries in hockey competing for their conference's berth in the Stanley Cup final, though. Imagine a conference final of Habs versus Bruins, for example, which wasn't possible under a normal system due to the teams sharing a division, but is under this format. The six teams that didn't make this year's playoffs can start their training camps as soon as New Year's Eve, with other teams starting on January the 3rd. We'll, of course, be talking a lot more about the NHL season as the season gets closer on puck and cover, but a little later on, we'll be hearing from some hockey virgins as they pick their NHL teams ready for the new season. Next, though, we're focusing on women's hockey and the NWHL's playing of their season at a truly iconic hockey venue. You're listening to the first episode of a new hockey podcast, Puck and Cover, with me, Paul Wheeler. We've talked men's hockey. Let's focus on women's hockey now. The 2020-21 season of the top women's hockey league in the world will take place, and it's happening at a venue guaranteed to send shivers down the spine of any hockey fan out there. The NWHL planning to play their coming season over two weeks in January and February inside a bubble centred at the Herb Brooks Arena in Lake Placid, New York State, which is site of one of the most famous moments in the sport's history, the miracle and ice victory of Team USA versus the Soviet Union at the 1980 Winter Olympics. The six teams of the NWHL will arrive at the venue on a staggered schedule on January the 21st and 22nd, then play five games, one against every other team in the league, followed by a playoff round to decide which four teams advance to the playoffs. Those four teams will contest the Isabel Cup semi-finals in a seeded single-game knockout semi-finals, first versus fourth and second versus third, before the Isabel Cup final is played on Friday, February the 5th. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is awesome. Because, you know, on the one hand, we've got some of the best women's hockey players in the world in the NWHL. Six teams of a growing league that's properly you know, become more and more popular. And now they get the chance to play as a league at one of the most iconic venues, you know, a world-famous hockey venue to play their bubble. They're following the footsteps, by the way, the NWHL. They've paid tribute to the WNBA and also the National Women's Soccer League, who have both previously played in bubbles to get their seasons off and running, and the NWHL building on that work. But if you're looking for a way to interest people in women's hockey, which is sometimes a bit of a slog because, you know, me personally, I love the NWHL. Uh, my team are probably the Buffalo Buttes, if I had to pick one. I kind of vacillate between teams um, in North America, but I'm very much a Buffalo Buttes fan the past few years. 
And if you're trying to interest people and the wider world in women's hockey, particularly in North America, what better way than to say we've got some of the best players in the world playing at one of the most iconic venues in the world for uh, a full league's programme and playoffs and the league trophy. That has to be uh, a great way to sell it. There's been lots of people uh, looking at my friends on Twitter and chatter on Twitter. People have been wondering how this works because a lot of the NWHL players, it's not like the NHL. A lot of their players have uh, full-time jobs outside of hockey as well. Hopefully remote working will address most of the logistical issues of players being away from home for two weeks. This is the flagship project so far of new NWHL commissioner Tyler Tumenia, who has been working very hard on it along with the regulatory authorities. And one thing that is awesome, speaking of logistics and salaries, is that the NWHL has said despite the shortened season, any salaried players in the NWHL will still be paid as if it was a full season. So nobody will miss out monetarily from this. And also the players were given a chance to opt out if they didn't feel safe, obviously, because of the COVID-19 status. And 95% of the players so far have committed to it. 95% of the contracted players have committed to it so far. Obviously, the 5% that haven't yet will still be paid their full salaries as well. But all of the teams should have full rosters, including the brand new team in the NWHL this season, the Toronto Six, who are called the Toronto Six because that's the first digit of the area code for Toronto, believe it or not, which is a kind of a strange way to pick a hockey team name but it's working a lot of the merchandise that you can see on twitter has really been embraced by toronto and the social media of the nwhl if you're not aware where it is if you're a hockey fan not where it is then go and check out nwhl on twitter and from there you can find out a lot more about the league and teams they've done a fantastic job through social media of promoting the league and a lot of leagues could learn from them as far as that goes but you know, we're returning to the main thing. How cool is it? The first women's professional hockey league playing in one of the most iconic venues on the planet. And to find out some of this is going to be broadcast on NBC Sports across America as well just shows how big women's hockey is becoming. Cannot wait for this to happen. We'll talk about that more in January, but it's time to come back across the pond now and talk about my home country, Great Britain, and the plans or otherwise for keeping hockey going this season in the UK. So we've talked a lot about North American hockey so far this podcast, but now it's time for me to look close to home here in my home country of Britain and talk a little about what's happening with the sport in the UK right now. First of all, for those of you who might not be that familiar with the sport over here, quick rundown of how it works. Top tier is the UK Elite League, which has teams in all four parts of the UK. So it has five in England, Three in Scotland, one each in Wales and Northern Ireland. The IHL's a professional league, which has a mix of British and import players from North America and Europe. And below it is a regional system of National Ice Hockey League that incorporate England and Wales in the National Ice Hockey League and Scotland and Northern Ireland in the Scottish National League. Are you keeping track yet? Um, to keep track of all the changes in UK hockey over the past 20 years, it'd require an entire podcast of its own. Let's just say the sport can often be a bit chaotic over here and leave it at that. Despite this, Team Great Britain have made it to the top tier of the World Championships in 2018, managed to avoid relegation last year thanks to a last game win against France in 2019. But it's safe to say the sport in the UK is a minority one at best. It doesn't get that much coverage 
in mainstream media, certainly not compared to most of the European countries. As a league that runs very much hand-to-mouth, relies on spectators for income and tickets and merchandise sales, UK hockey not being able to play since the start of the lockdown in March means it's been hit hard by the pandemic. But recently the UK government announced a £4 million support package to allow the UK Elite League to run a season this year. Hockey has already come back in the UK thanks to a streaming series which was run by three second-tier teams, Swindon, Milton Keynes and Sheffield, behind closed doors over November as a test run to show the government elite ice hockey can still run in this country. The support package is a bit controversial though because due to the way sports funded in the devolved political system over here in the UK, the support package is only for teams in England and also possibly Wales as well. The OHL is still talking of pressing ahead using this grant, which will mean a significant increase on the usual budget package for English teams, to run a shortened season involving the teams from England and Wales playing behind closed doors in bubbles with an attempt to make back the revenue lost from tickets to streaming the game so fans can still watch. It remains to be seen how exactly this is going to work given the history of organisational problems in the British League and the plans that they want to get a season up and running by January, setting all of the infrastructure and putting all of this into place. But we'll see. Information's still very sketchy at this stage. I used to be a huge fan of the game over here and I've commentated on games for my local team uh, here in Coventry as well. But I fell out of love with it almost over the past couple of years. And I'm interested to see how this works. It could be a great thing for the sport in the UK. Certainly potential for media coverage of it. British hockey has been burned by this before. So the work's gone in. Uh, the streaming service with the National Ice Hockey League has worked very well. It's very popular. But it'll be interesting to see how this works because we're still very much in the early stages. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on this for puck and cover and talk to you more about it as much as possible. But... We're going to go for something exciting now, and we are going to introduce two hockey virgin friends of mine to the sport and start them on their journey to become hockey fandom. It's a great conversation. You'll very much enjoy it. That's coming up next. So we're in the final segment of the first edition of Puck and Cover. Thanks for sticking with us. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Uh, but the, for the final segment, I wanted to do something a little bit different, something that would become a regular feature. Now, I assume if you're listening to this, you're a hockey fan. But do you remember when you first became a hockey fan? Do you remember the sense of discovery and enjoyment, finding out about hockey and learning about the game? And, you know, when the hockey bug well and truly took hold of you. I'm trying to recapture that. And I'm doing so by taking two of my friends and enlisting them and trying to turn them from hockey virgins into hockey fandom. Uh, Ryan and Amy... Other names there to my friends. And this is the first segment where we introduce them and give you an idea of what we're trying to do and give them their very first introduction to ice hockey. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> we finally managed to get them both in the same place after a false start yes. that didn't work too well because Amy sounded like she was in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. This, that means that this sounds slightly different to how it was initially planned to be because initially uh, Ryan's first introduction to hockey and only knowledge of hockey was watching the Mighty Ducks and Amy didn't know I'm what the NHL I'm still was. still need to watch it. You still need to watch it. You haven't watched the Mighty Ducks. It's been like five days. I've been watching a lot of other stuff. But the plan. I'm doing my research, Paul. Okay. Yes, and <laughs> that has linked beautifully because initially, Amy and Ryan were to go and pick a team 
um, to support. And we decided to start with the NHL rather than British hockey because, firstly, NHL is better, and secondly, it's far easier for hockey virgins to watch and get into. I believe you've both done that. Have you both found a team now? Yes. yes. Right, okay. Either of you can go for it. You go first, Ryan, because you've, you've picked it already. All right. I've got uh, Anaheim Ducks because, obviously, with my Ducks being, like, my only source of hockey... I thought, you know what, I might as well go with the uh, the um, Anaheim Ducks. Ryan has really... I just need to point out, Ryan has really gone for this because he the first thing he did a couple of days ago, we came up with this idea, and he's already downloaded NHL, which we both play on. Um, and last night, we played a Team Canada versus Team USA game that if it had happened in real life, <laughs> Twitter would have broken because it was a triple overtime game. <laughs> where Ryan took the lead and I equalised and then Ryan came back in and then the winning goal was like the most disgustingly bad goal ever. Ryan does, Ryan does streaming and we might start streaming NHL at this rate if we can if he gets oh, really it. good at it. <laughs> but so you've picked Anaheim then. Yeah. So what do you know about Anaheim already then? If I asked you like a few questions about their team. You know what? Far away. First question is tell us a bit about Anaheim. Where do they play? What's the name of the arena? A few basic questions like that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so basically, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, they are in Anaheim, in California, uh, which is also in Los Angeles, if anyone didn't know that. Um, but of course, uh, they also play at the uh, Honda Center, uh, which they have been playing for a while. Uh, they have won a few division titles and championships, uh, but they've only won uh, the um, Stanley Cup once. They have indeed only won yes. it once. <laughs> <laughs> have you got Have you got like a favourite player yet, or have you got any legendary players or anything like that, or have you literally just got to the? I'd point say of... legendary player wide would have to be um, off the floor on the board, uh, Paul. Ken Kenya, I think you were doing so well. You like you dropped the iconic line in, and I was like, I'm impressed. And then you struggled a bit. Paul Korea, Korea. I was trying to read it because I've written it down. I've but... got a little fact file sheet ready. Oh, nice. These two are serious. They're not mucking about. Everybody, we will forgive you getting Paul Korea's name on because you dropped the off the floor on the board in, which yeah. is like iconic hockey moment. So fair play to you for that one. I think current time, like at the moment, would have to be probably uh, Ryan Getzlaff because he's obviously the captain at the moment. But when I've been playing on NHL with him, he's been the sort of my go-to guy for getting the good shots in. So, yeah, Getzlaff is actually at the moment my favourite player of the team. And you've already you've already went and bought Anaheim Ducks stuff, haven't you? You've bought like a jumper. Yeah, I got an Anaheim Ducks jumper. Um, which is essentially like a Christmas nice. present. Um, my mum was like, go get it and I'll give you the money back so you can, you know, have money. But uh, she was like, yeah, I'll give you that as a gift for Christmas. So I've got it, but I can't wear it until Christmas. I am impressed, Ryan. I was particularly impressed with you dropping that off the floor on the board in there, just casually. <laughs> if there are any Ducks fans listening to this, they're going to go, he's one of us already. It's like, That's sweet. that was hardcore. Your turn, Amy, because I actually kind of knew Ryan's team because I've been, like, he's been playing him on NHL and he told me. But I don't know Amy's because she took a little bit longer. So am I going to be annoyed yep. here? Yeah, she, she will be annoyed. Um, so 
my team is one of the original six of uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Because of the logo, and I also know it's a rival to one of your teams. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 31 teams in the NHL <laughs> and you picked the team that have Chelsea Dagger as their theme okay so <laughs> just want to clarify last night Paul lost a game against the Chicago Blackhawks on NHL 20 <laughs> I, was, I was impressed you straight away dropped in the, one of the original six I was like she's gone for Montreal and no <laughs> Nope. I thought you'd gone for Montreal or Toronto. So you've both gone for American teams, which is interesting. Yes. I thought you go I thought you kinda of go for Canadian teams. Maybe. But at least none of you are Leafs fans. Because <laughs> <laughs> apologies to any Toronto fans listening, but as Leafs fans will know, that is a roller coaster to get involved in straight off. So tell us a bit about the Chicago what you know about the Chicago Blackhawks then. Uh they were found in nineteen twenty six. Their home arenas, the United Center. Uh, they've won six Stanley Cups. Most recent one they won was 2013 uh, slash 2014. Their mascot is Tommy Hawk. And their rivals are obviously one of your teams, so that's pretty cool. Yes, <laughs> he says. <laughs> I'm just going to keep dropping that in. And do you know any of the top, have you learned any of the top players yet? Any of the superstars? Not you yet. Any yet. That's my next mission. That's your next plan. Yes. You've got a few to pick from, to be fair, on uh, Chicago. Yeah, definitely. You've got like a couple of world superstars to pick from on Chicago. Because Ryan will know, actually, because I was talking to Ryan about it. Ryan will, might be able to give you advice on which players to pick for Chicago. Yeah. Literally, this, this came from a conversation, first of all, where neither of them even knew what the NHL was. When Ryan first Googled it, he put the NFL in. <laughs> and now we're at the point where we have... Two teams, teams in the Western Conference as well, which means you've got to stay up stupidly late, which is good. They're both decent teams, even if I personally winced a bit <laughs> and a few other people are <laughs> wincing a bit. Okay, so we've got a black hawk and a duck, which both both animal themed. Did you really pick it just because you'd like their mascot? Was that like Amy? Was that like Me? your whole th- No, Amy. No, oh yeah. The logo. The logo's great as well. Oh boy. <laughs> it's had a lot of history as well, the logo. Have you read up about the logo? For the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks? I read a bit and it was like saying they um used the original logo for one of the most recent ones and then it's back to another one. Um it's cool because they also um like support charities, but I presume a lot of the teams do support charities. But I'm kind of impressed that you basically picked it because Disney and liking the logo. I was a bit of a glory support when I first started back in the early 2000s. So, Stop showing your age. So there we go then. Our two NHL virgins have picked a team and Indeed. we will be talking to them again and following their fan journey throughout Puck and Cover podcast over the coming weeks and months. But thank you, the pair of you, and congratulations. Welcome to Hockey Fandom. Nice. <laughs> I feel very welcomed. Thank you very much. 
That's my friends Ryan and Amy starting their hockey fan journey and we'll keep track of them in future editions. That is about it from the first edition of Puck and Cover. Thank you very much to everybody who's listened. We'll be back shortly after Christmas looking at the World Juniors and once again looking forward to the NHL season as well as hearing a little more from Amy and Ryan about their fan journey as well. If you're so inclined, you can also keep up with us on Twitter. You can follow us there at Puck and Cover Pod. That's at Puck and Cover Pod. Have a wonderful Christmas, everybody. I've been Paul Wheeler. This has been Puck and Cover. Thank you for listening and bye-bye.